Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome back to this show. I'm your host, Tony Lontis, and this is Poetry in Motion with Sony Singh. Now, before I introduce you to my gorgeous co-host, thank you for tuning in today. And if you're listening on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and we're testing the live streaming system for Everyday Women's Network today. So if you happen to be listening on that channel, welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, Just a reminder that if you miss any of our live shows with Sony, you can find them on Tony TV's channel app on Roku, LG and Samsung smart TVs across the globe. We encourage you to reach out to our gorgeous co-hosts who are available for all sorts of things from speaking at your groups and attending any of your interest groups, particularly around poetry. Now, each week we do a welcome to country because we're in Australia and this is particularly important because Sony has just landed in Australia today. So please forgive her if she's a little weary. It's a long way from the US to Australia, but she's in Australia for a little while and we're so glad to have her. Now, our welcome to country goes like this. I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region, the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia, the traditional owners on the land of which we meet and broadcast. I want to pay my respects to the elders past and present and all the Aboriginal and Islander peoples here listening and watching today. Now, this is the second show in our series, and it's a six-series show package, and each week we talk to Sony about her wonderful journey in writing, and particularly writing poetry, as her first three books have been around poetry. But before I introduce Sony onto the show today, I want to tell you and remind you a little bit about this beautiful woman. Sony Singh is a cross cultural seeker of deep knowing. She writes stories of self-discovery to encourage people to accept themselves for who they are and live life on their own terms. Her tales of her character's definitive moments on she tells tales rather of her character's definitive moments in their life's journey. The mystical and spiritual are integral in her storytelling and as is her multicultural background. Sony is of Indian descent, born in Mexico and raised in Colombia, whilst now residing in the USA and currently visiting Australia. When she is not travelling, reading and writing, she indulges in meditation, yoga and aromatherapy. She is a multi-degree holder of biology, management and hospitality, science of complementary medicine and a doctorate in metaphysical sciences, which we're going to delve into a little bit today. She's worked in hospitality before practicing as a wellness coach. She's a certified integrative nutrition health coach and international certified health coach, a Reiki master, registered aromatherapist, certified crystal energy guide, a certified advanced angel card master, and she is an intuitive. 
these certifications also feature in her writing. Sony has three beautiful poetry books in her Soul Seeker collection, and they include Embody, Embrace, and Embolden. And she's published the in three anthologies, including Blessing the Page, The Colors of Me, and The Wishing Stone. She has multiple articles published on the Elephant Journal, and her upcoming novel, Lonely Dove, is about to be released soon, hence her visit to Australia, among other things. I encourage you today to jump onto her website, Sony Singh, S-O-N-E-E-S-I-N-G-H.com, and check out all the information about Sony. She is an amazing human being. Welcome back to the show, Sony, and welcome to Australia. Well, thank you for having me, and it is such a pleasure to actually be in the same continent as you. <laughs> I am really hoping that at some stage in Sony's visit, we'll actually get to physically hug again, um, <laughs> because it's been a few months now. <laughs> Um, Sony, can you tell everyone what the purpose of the visit to Australia is? We've got some exciting uh, are, things coming up for you. Yeah, there are. I um, have a couple of events uh, regarding particularly my poetry books. Uh, I do have the launch, as you said, of Lonely Dove coming mm. up. That's my uh, debut, no- debut novel. Uh, mm. And that's coming up in two weeks. And so there's also something surrounding that uh that i will be uh attending in melbourne uh and uh as you know my publisher for my poetry books uh she's karen mcdermott she's out in uh perth so i'm going to be spending some time with her over there so that's completely the opposite side of the country so sony's on the eastern side of the country now and she's going to transverse and hop on over to the western side which is kind of a big flight again but not as big (laughs) as the one you've just taken how many hours was it this time, Sunny? Uh, well, the flight, uh, so I flew through uh, LA and the flight yes. from LA to Sydney uh, was about 14 and a half hours uh, yeah. and I landed this morning. So yes, I may be just a little tired, but <laughs> thankfully I got some sleep on the I'm, flight. So not I'm too so bad. glad you made it on the show today. <laughs> it's really, really awesome. Now, This week, um, after last week, we got the audience to know a little bit more about you. And this week, we thought we'd have a little bit more of a deeper dive into the aspects of your spiritual life, which are incredibly important to you, as they are to me and many, many, many other listeners and watchers of the show today. So, Sony, what does being a spiritual person mean to you? Uh... That is a really good question. A spiritual person uh, Mm. to me means I take time to pay attention to what's around me. Uh, Mm. I know and realize that we are all connected in deeper ways than we acknowledge or than we sometimes give ourselves credit. And it's not just connection to people, but to our environment, to the earth, to the planet, Uh, And it's acknowledging those connections and seeing that uh, everything is sort of linked to one another that I, to to me, that's what's being uh, a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. And and it's not just humanity, it also involves Mother Nature as well for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're we're part and parcel of this planet. Uh, 
of the universe of everything that surrounds us and you know one of the things that i always say uh mm. is nothing happens as a coincidence everything happens as a synchronicity and that's because you know even even the fact that you you land somewhere and everything runs smoothly and the traffic runs smoothly and you're able to get for instance me here to this place in this hotel and all went well uh you know it was beautiful kind of flow of of synchronicity uh that's the way that i i view things uh and Fantastic. and and i think that's you know it's it's no, it's no mistake nothing ever happens as a mistake agreed agreed um i see spirituality as quite different from religion do you think that they're different as well sony i do think that they're different although i i I think the basis of all religion is spirituality and the more that you study religion the more you realize that in the heart of it all um we're we're all sort of saying the same things uh Mm -hmm. you know love is the essence of everything and it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. you know romantic love or familial love but just love in general that feeling yeah. that you have to extend out to others. Um, I think that the the challenge sometimes with religion is when people then start using that as an interpretation uh, uh-huh. to use that to kind of differentiate ourselves and, and, and separate ourselves, which is rather, I think, the opposite of what religion is meant to do. But, you know, people sort of take their own interpretations and that always, um, that not always causes a positive outcome. Whereas I think, uh, spirituality is more embracing, um, more open yes. to just even people having different interpretations of what it means to be spiritual mm-hmm. or uh, of, of what a sign or symbol. It's it's very individual and it acknowledges that, you know, our spirituality is is guided by our, our own intuition. And it, and it can actually and is actually very unique to people. And I know when I was <clears throat> reading when I was prepping the questions for the show, I was um, looking into that, exploring that difference between what people's perceptions of spirituality and what people's perceptions of religion was. And some of the commentary was around the prescriptive way that you are required to live um, based on religion what you can and can't do and who you can and can't be, etc., etc., versus the spiritual idea is more embracing, more encompassing, more flexible, seem to be the general consensus from all the articles that I read, and some of them are really quite deeply explore the differences between the perception of religion and the perception of spirituality and um, that for many religion or the constraints of religion turned them off a spiritual path and it was only when they embraced a different sort of spirituality that they then felt more connected. Um, Sony, you travel a lot um, all over the globe and I'm wondering if you can reflect on some of the conversations or things that you've observed around religion versus spirituality um oh that's an interesting question i mean i i it's interesting also to me that a lot of my closest friends Mm. uh are deeply religious uh Ah. and i've always honored and respected that and interestingly they've always honored and respected my spirituality and what i really enjoy about that is just 
having conversations uh, about people's faith. Religions mm-hmm. actually fascinate me. Uh, I do study I agree, signing. religions. Uh, I love mm-hmm. to, to just read and even, you know, go into churches or temples or that kind of thing yes. and just understand, yes. um, you know, what, what, what it is about. Um, I like being in sacred spaces and to be able to share yeah. those experiences with the people that I um, consider, you know, either uh, close to me or even not just having somebody mm. uh, share that aspect of, of, of their faith. I always really enjoy um, the really ni- enlightening conversations. And, and that's, you know, it's through these conversations that I think I've gathered um, mm. that there's a lot more that connects us than what separates us. Absolutely. I, um, it's good to hear someone else who I love to visit churches just to be quiet in those sacred spaces, no matter what church they belong to. And I've been into them all from Russian Orthodox to Catholic to Church of England to um, some of the ancient churches as well. And there's always um, a sacred, you feel compelled to be quiet for the most part even some of the big historic churches that have lines and lines of people just Mm -hmm. wanting to get in and and sit and they all become quiet in that those spaces i think that that's pretty special um can you tell me about one of the most interesting religions you've encountered? And I know I'm going a bit off script, but I'm fascinated as well about religion and what people see. And um, I wondered if there's one particular one that sort of stands out to you as being, oh, wow, that's really fascinating. Uh, I would say Zoroastrianism because yeah, it is an ancient religion that very, very few people practice. I've actually not met anybody who... Uh, follows it, but I've met a lot of people who just talk about it. I think the the, the principles and, and the little that I know about anything that is Zoroastrian is uh, very much about the elements uh, and uh-huh. how the elements are deities. And so, again, you know, in terms of talking about connection to uh, everything mm-hmm. that is around us, it is one of those religions that I feel uh, is very deeply connected to the earth uh, and and the earth and the elements really factor into uh, their belief system and their practices. Uh, And it's something that I I would want to know more about. In fact, I would love to meet somebody who, who Mm. is, and I, and I, at least from what I know, there's very few people who practice it at this point, but yeah, that's, that's. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be sad if we lost that because no one is, following or, or keeping up with it that that's kind of a bit of a um a, a real issue isn't it in this day and age where we might lose some of those religions and mm-hmm. not have followers and then then the wisdom from that particular res, uh, religion is lost then isn't it it is it is but in a way you know i feel that despite how um how many, I mean, even if it's lost, I think that the wisdom, because it exists in other faiths, still somehow carries on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still good to just know that that wisdom is out there, though, and that there's people that are that are still practicing and trying to encourage them to speak about the religion and, and mm-hmm. transmit the message. But 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's it it would be sad, I think, if if we got to a point where certain things didn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I also feel that there's a lot more interest in ancient practices and ancient wisdom. Um, and I found up, for instance, even in some of my studies, that I think mm-hmm. people are, are are just interestingly finding that there's more connection to their belief system in what is ancient than what is current. Um, yeah. And it's sort of this kind of turning backwards to try to rediscover some of these uh, nuggets, uh, gold nuggets, yes. I guess, that we've just mm-hmm. sort of not been paying attention to in recent years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we've been, it's, life has been busy and it feels like it has sped up. And then we had COVID. And I think that caused the world to almost stop still for a while, which is not a bad thing. Like, I actually I actually don't think it would be a bad thing for the world to have each year, maybe a week, where we all went into lockdown because it's good for us, yeah? So that everything stops for a week. I wonder if... I wonder if we could possibly do that again because uh, even from my limited perspective, uh, the world was slower, the birds seemed to chirp louder, the skies were clearer, there was less noise, there was a whole range of things that were really good from that and I wondered at the time, I wonder if we could do this for the earth and for humanity on a regular basis without the nasty virus bit. That's going to say. <laughs> without the nastiness, without the virus bit, just because it was good for us and the planet. Um, a little yeah. bit like an extended earth hour when everyone turns off their lights, but just extended a bit longer. Anyway, I digress. I wanted to talk today. <laughs> I wanted to talk today about um, the power of being a woman. And the power of a, of a woman's intuition. Now, I don't say that in derogatory terms for men, but for many men, it's a little more difficult for them to tap into the, their intuition. I know many men who do, but for women, it's kind of a bit of a, a superpower from our perspective. And <laughs> I'm wondering um, if you can give us some thoughts around the power of intuition for women or the power of intuition in general? Well, the thing with intuition is that it tends to be a very feminine energy and feminine doesn't necessarily mean women, except that, you know, women have more feminine energy in general than men do. Although not, I mean, I'm generalizing. Generalizing. Individual um, the masculine energy tends to be more practical, it tends to be more, you know, in, in fact, kind of uh, set in, 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 in the earth, <laughs> whereas the um, feminine energy tends to be more sort of guided by what's above. So it's, yes. it's funny because the Spiritual. two work in, yeah, in, in work perfectly together. And the thing with, with that is that because women tend to be more comfortable with accessing the feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where the intuition really rises. That's where the connection to um, everything that's around us, the cosmos, the universe, people around us, that's where that rises. And when we are able to 
tap into that, that's when we see real change. Uh, it, I mean, it's no secret that, you know, historically women have been oppressed. And mm. a lot of Great. that, I think, is that, you know, there, there's this fear of uh, the feminine energy because it's not grounded, right? It's not mm. It's not based on not logic. Quantifiable that are, often. Yeah, or practical or quantitative. It's, it's very... Um, ethereal and 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 you you can't really sometimes put your hands on it or make it tangible and so that's why you know it, it's been quieted down but the the more the more we allow ourselves and and this is both men and women the more we allow ourselves to connect to that feminine aspect uh in, in a way the more guided we are the more connected we are the more we're able to to move forward in a positive fashion uh, that is usually less conflictive, um, and that's you know part of part of kind of the the change that you know a lot of society is going through right now is. I agree. And one yeah. of the things that, for instance, COVID allowed us to do: when you get quiet, when you're able you to take that to... step back, you start paying attention to those other aspects, um, those intuitive aspects of, of of who we are. Because I, I was going to ask you, Sonia, if, if you felt comfortable describing how your um, intuition works for you, because I've had asked this question to a number of people in it, and it is different for everyone. For me, mm-hmm. intuition is that deep, quiet voice of knowing that if I listen to and allow to um, uh, come forth outside of the noise of day-to-day life is very wise and takes you in the right direction. What's your experience, Sony, with your own intuition? How do you describe it? it? It's similar. I mean, the way that I try to explain it to others, um, and and it's different for for each person. It's, you know, that either voice or knowing or feeling Mm -hmm. um, or even visions that you get that kind of show you uh, where you need to go. And, and for instance, you know, the, the best example that, that I come up mm-hmm. with is you meet somebody and you get this feeling of, hmm, uh, maybe they're not for me, but you don't pay attention to it. Yeah. And so that's essentially yes. your intuition coming through, but you ignore it. And push don't, it down. don't. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the other thing for we as women, we're often taught from an early age to push down those those thoughts which are like an early warning system in a lot of cases and if we were able to get children to tap into their intuition from an early age they would have a self-guided you know system that says no that person's possibly not good because it's about their energy isn't it you know evil has an energy good has an energy and sometimes it's not necessarily that it's evil. It's just it's not good for you. Not and good because for you. Because two, two people have to come together and two situations have to come together for there to be that flow and that mm. synchronicity. And I think what happens is as children, we do have that. We, we, we feel that actually even more. And, I, and you know, when you, when you observe children, they, they are very much yes. guided by their feelings. You know, they like something, they go for it. They don't like it. You, you know, I you know. sort of, they don't. Uh, yeah. And that that's the basis of intuition is just, you know, we we eventually um, either squash it or things happen 
where we start ignoring that voice and thinking, oh, no, you know, let the logic kind of guide you, which is not always the best choice. And that voice starts getting quieter and quieter. So even if you if it comes, you, you just ignore it and you move forward. But if you allow that to just flourish, uh, that is that is what the basis of spirituality is, is allowing mm-hmm. yourself to connect with your intuition to know, is this the right situation for me? Is it not? Mm-hmm. Should I move forward? Is this forward? the right thing to Should do? Not? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, you, 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 you sit with it, but we are so um, kind of guided by pros and cons, you know, think of it like mm-hmm. this is the negative bits and these are the positive bits and which ones outweigh. And that, that is, that is essentially the opposite of intuition. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we're taught, we're taught to do it that way, though, Sony. We're taught to sit down and write out the pros and cons instead of sitting in a quiet place and just allowing the feeling around whatever situation it is, just sitting and going, okay, I'm just going to sit and allowing yourself to intuitively go, oh, actually, well, this is right. This is probably the better way to go versus doing it or going this way. Um, Sonia, from last week, we talked a little bit about the metaphysical, and I thought that this week I needed to clarify for the audience that metaphysics is actually a study around the nature of reality or the understanding of reality and includes abstract subjects and concepts such as knowing intuition etc etc um why do you think women are naturally drawn to metaphysical studies for instance it's because of that feminine energy um because that feminine energy is what connects us to Mm -hmm. the the, and, and you know metaphysics it's you know it's kind of like beyond uh, what we see that reality is beyond yeah. hard bricks and mortar and those sorts of things it's and it's, that's the essence of intuition that's mm-hmm. the essence of that feminine energy not that masculine energy doesn't have it no, um, they do it's, it's when it's when we tap into that that we're we're kind of guided into um the knowing that is not based on textbooks it's the knowing that's based yeah. on either experience or wisdom or just the energy that surrounds us. And the the interesting thing um, with it, and I think why women are tend to be more drawn into it is because when they start giving themselves permission to be themselves, yes. which means that when they start acknowledging that they have this uh, sort of intuitive side to them, they, they, mm. they go look for things, you know, they look for yeah. oracle cards or crystals or angels yes. or this kind of thing. Uh, and, and, and it tends to, be mm. more geared um kind of with women but you you also see a lot of men that that are uh acknowledging that that's part of who they are as well yeah in ancient cultures like i'm going back really like millennia ago it was the women that were the um they used to be called seers or fortune tellers or or witches even and those things have become negative when in fact they should have been embraced as a powerful form of feminine energy and a powerful guidance system for humanity. And what happened was that there was fear and fear was the thing that stopped those gifts 
being used more widely across the world. And I think we're now the pendulum's coming back and we're going, well, actually this was pretty good stuff and you should probably take a bit of notice of that because uh, a lot of those women really rocked out and really knew what they were talking about, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, and, and it's actually we're starting to see some of that come through, for instance, some of the TV series and stuff where they show very clearly that women were the ones that guided the men into battle, for instance, or they guided the path for them to take if they were whatever it was, if they were, you know, invading a city or God forbid something like that. But but it was the women, wasn't it? Women's intuition, women's guidance, women's wisdom somewhere along the track we as humanity lost sight of these powers and gifts, didn't we? We did. And I don't know necessarily um, what caused it as, as much as, you know, we'd like Mm -hmm. to know and we'd like to uncover. Uh, But I do believe that, you know, there's been a rediscovery of this uh, with a lot of female empowerment. And I think the female empowerment Mm. is based on us acknowledging that we, have a lot of wisdom to share and you know even even though it it was ancient times but that still lives with us that still lives with humanity it's part of who we are uh and so the more we allow ourselves to open up to these gifts and speak uh, those wise words yes (laughs) yes exactly exactly. speak those wise words uh yeah and 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 that's where we're I mean I think that that's where we're headed I mean it's a slow transition I do I I do believe that you know there's a what you may call an awakening but maybe it's not an awakening but it's a remembrance of who we are and the essence of who we are and I also like to think it at Think of it as a rise in consciousness or a re-engagement with a higher level of consciousness that is not quantifiable uh, and but is not, nevertheless real um, and and a great and wonderful part of being a human is that we can do some of these thoughts and this wisdom. Um, That leads me to the next question, Sony, where I believe that women uh, were the ancient storytellers, which is why there's so many women writing and telling stories. And they were often seen as the matriarchs who would pass on stories to their children and grandchildren. And again, we kind of lost track a little bit um, and for a while across the history of humanity it appeared that men were the writers of stories but in fact women were always writing and telling stories but they just weren't given the uh credence i guess that men were um and i'm thinking in terms of you know the kings that started writing the history of um early European settlement or or whatever it was. But women have always been storytellers and I think that it's important that we continue to encourage women to write stories. Now, I know in talking from to you, Sony, that you incorporate the spiritual into the writing of your stories and you feel that that's really a very important component of your storytelling. 
It is. In stories in particular, I um, have focused a lot on how it is that we open ourselves up to intuition. And because there's so many paths to take, uh, mm-hmm. I, I I go through different scenarios, different circumstances that would bring my protagonists, for instance, to yeah. acknowledge that part of who they are and awaken to it in different ways. And sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, like say, for instance, in 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 Lonely Dove, uh, my protagonist gets visions, and then she has to sort yeah. of acknowledge that these visions are what what are guiding her. Uh, but the the story that I'm writing uh currently uh it's it's a very different trajectory to you know she Ah. gets very um sort of drawn to crystals uh that's that's kind of her her journey there's another short story that i've written that are you know the wisdom that you get from tarot cards and i think it's also important to acknowledge that because there are so many paths to spirituality um, yeah. You know, a, a lot of times the, the the basis of the story may be one of self-discovery, but the actual path that you take is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I like to acknowledge it. I like to acknowledge that, you know, we, we all Everyone. can get to um, a, a point of connecting with our intuition in completely different ways. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, it depends what happens when you first get a vision or intuitive thought how you express that and what happens when you express that to others because for some women they're immediately told that they're crazy you know so (laughs) that like almost stops the intuition in its track because then the woman naturally goes oh am I crazy is this you know so it's very important if someone confides in you that their intuitive thought or their vision or their reading was X, Y, Z, and you actually give them permission to talk about that in a non-judgmental space, really. And, you know, I think the the thing with that is that if you're told you're crazy when you're a child and you haven't quite yet developed your confidence, your sense of self, uh, then it's something that you start rejecting because you think, well, I've been told that this is a bad thing or this is, you know, mm. something that I shouldn't really express. Then that's when you start shutting it down. But if, 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 for instance, you know, um, I were be- told today you're crazy, I can yeah. understand that that's that person's perception. I don't take it on board. Yeah. Um, yes. for me, everybody else is crazy. So <laughs> you know, it's all a matter yes. of, of yes. perspective or perception. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that the more that we embrace that there's just alternate ways of looking at the world, um, the, the, the more we allow all of this to flourish. Alternate perspectives. Is that what you said? Yes. Yes. I, I just think that we need to, um, be very careful, um, before shutting down someone else's perspective as right, wrong or indifferent and particularly for children. And I, I never noticed it when my own children were growing up, but I'm very cognizant of it with my six-year-old's um, grandson and encourage him. And so he's got a wonderful mum who teaches him already how to ground if he's angry or upset go for a walk outside on the grass, take your shoes off, that sort of thing, so that he understands that those actions have great 
purpose, particularly for him if he's angry or sad or upset in terms of calming his little life and allowing him the freedom to understand. Well, every human being across the planet is going to experience anger. Mm-hmm. What you do with that anger and how that anger interacts with other people is really important. And it's very good that we have these conversations around better ways to deal with emotions like anger because no matter how spiritual you are and now and no matter how connected you are there will be moments where you feel very human feelings like anger for instance or well, any of the other things that the thing with feelings though is that the feelings are how you connect with your intuition and mm-hmm. a lot of times even though we see anger is a negative thing it's also a path for us to allow it to and it can be very better yeah uh and but we we tend to either uh shun it or push it down or call it negative uh and it can be if that anger then turns out into an aggression towards someone else or even an aggression towards yourself but if Mm. you're if you're able to sort of sit with your emotion allow it to to come up Mm. kind of sit back and say, well, what is this really telling me? Or why is it that I'm feeling angry? You process that and then you let it go. That's 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 right. And then you let it go and then it's gone. And that's a, that's a very powerful way to deal with difficult emotions as a human being. Again, we don't always teach our children these ways in which to just, yep, you're angry. That's actually okay. Take yourself out of a situation or whatever it is and go, well, why am I angry? Start to like unpack it is, is a great word. Mm-hmm. Why am I angry? I'm angry because that guy just cut across the traffic in front of me and he could have caused an accident because um, I still must confess to moments where I get angry with people in traffic Uh, because I just think that they have you're not thinking you're not thinking about the other cars behind you you're not thinking about that woman with babies in in car seats and a screaming child just trying to get home of an afternoon and you cutting in front of her has just given her a shock and started the baby screaming and delayed her getting you know there's any number of infinite things could be going on so I have learned to go, okay, that just really made you cranky. Take a deep breath, send him love and light because obviously he needs to get somewhere faster than what you do and good for him. <laughs> yeah, but I'm know, saying, I'm saying also- him loosely as well because <laughs> often often it's boy tradies in trucks that right. uh, <laughs> Not the best on the road. <laughs> well, and the thing also is, you know, coming down, coming back to that point that you made about um, if we had a lockdown and we had this time mm. to be still, it's yeah. also, I think, because we run so much and we're always doing, we have to do this and we have to get here and we have to accomplish this, that we lose sight of the other people. Um, we get just so busy uh, that, mm. you know, we're all sort of in this one track uh, lane where we stop seeing what's around us. And when we get yeah. still and when we get 
clear with our emotions, when we're able to, uh, you know, have that quiet moment of reflection, you start opening up your vision, you start looking around you and you start noticing and being more considerate and kind to other people. Um, But you know, that that's, that's, I agree with you, if there are a way for us to Mm -hmm. be able to uh, do a a yearly lockdown, A yearly time of self-reflection. I think that would be good. It would be good for humanity, (laughs) like a rolling shutdown. All lights (laughs) off, all business stops. You're confined to your house for 24 hours, and this happens in a rolling stage across the earth. Like that would be amazing. I could just envision all the lights going off and everyone just having 24 hours of peace and quiet. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. Good for you. Like good for them um the other thing is too that i actually had to learn conscious processes around some of those emotion management type ideals and one of those was in every moment just be kind so when that guy cuts you off in traffic now my first thought is just be kind versus before it was always an angry response. So it was always an anger. Um, and you can train yourself to do that and be consciously going, I have two, um, I have two choices here. I can be angry, cranky, yell and scream, or I can just be kind and understanding. I'm telling you, learning to be kind is the best thing for yourself because you don't do it for anyone else because they're probably exactly. not going to even be aware it's for you though yeah if, it's so that, that you don't moment, feel that frustration so that you let it go yeah. uh and then you you end up being a calmer person but yeah it's it's yeah. It, for me what ends up it, it does take work funny. though it does take work. Um, for me, what happens is the people that cut the lines, uh, oh. I don't, you know, <laughs> because I travel so much, it's really up in my yes. uh, consciousness. Yes. But that's something that I, ha- I I also have to learn to take a deep breath and say, you know what? Go right ahead. You want to cut the line? I, a lot of times it's when you're trying to get on the airplane. And yes. to me, I find it hilarious that people try to cut the line because we all have to get on. You all got to get on the airplane. Unless we're all on. I know. So, I know. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you get in like two minutes before I do. But oh, hey. I know. Um, but yeah, you have, to, you have to get to a point where you are conscious about your reactions and you realize that the, the, the emotions don't control you. You control them. Well, you're um, but in it's charge. in allowing yeah you it's in allowing that kind of frustration to come up and you sit back and think huh what was that about uh mm-hmm. and unless you allow yourself moments of stillness it always it doesn't necessarily it d- come through one of the things that one of a, a spiritual teacher that i had um a long time ago he actually and it was a he um gave me the suggestion of every week take at least one 24-hour period in which you don't do any work at all, which means Mm -hmm. disconnecting from your email, uh, not thinking about work, uh, Mm -hmm. not kind of doing, but just letting yourself be. Uh, And that sort of, and and he said, you know, you decide whatever your 24-hour period is, but that 24-hour period then allows you to just take a step back and, and not reset. be engaged and not be, you know, kind of carried into the doing and the bu- busyness, but it really allows you time to to reflect and to be in the moment and to be more present. 
which is, I think, a lesson that all of us have to learn. You know, I think even the people that meditate on a regular basis, they still need to have that lesson of not kind of getting carried away, worried about what's happened or what's going to happen. Uh, But yeah, that's one of the best pieces of advice that I've I've gotten. And since I've implemented that, I noticed a lot of change. Ironically, what I realized is that the less I do, the more I do. In a way, the less I do, the more productive I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I had to learn I had to learn that um that lesson recently um I was forever busy and doing 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 and then um had to stop reset and learn that by doing less and doing things more consciously you actually get more done Mm-hmm. Is the hardest lesson to learn, Sony, because you know we're in a doing, doing, action taking world, but it's good for humans to stop, reset, slow down, and do other things outside of work. Um, and we're actually not meant to be doing that all the no. time. You know? I mean, that's why our health gets affected. That's why mm-hmm. we burn out. That's why we, yes. you know, a lot of times you, you kind of get through with adrenaline, but adrenaline is only going to last so long and eventually it's exhausting. So exactly. you have to learn to to, to stop and, and take a break. And um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it not only creates more focus, but it creates more peace, more health. Um, in general, it's just a lot better when you when and you're allows able to you <laughs> and it allows you to connect to that the spirituality that Sony and I've been talking about. It's in the quietest moments where you actually stop and stop yourself thinking and doing and just sit. So for me, that's my back verandas. Just sit and look at the mountains and toss off those thoughts when they come bombarding in and just sit and it is for for someone who um likes to be busy and who is never bored it's really hard and i remember (laughs) reading i remember reading how good boredom was for people because boredom allows you to daydream and think beyond what you would normally think and i suddenly thought oh i can't remember the last time i was bored (laughs) <laughs> oh, that means I should probably stop and slow down. <laughs> Maybe I need to schedule some boredom time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's it's harder as an adult. To, well, I don't know about other adults, but as an adult, I remember as a kid being bored. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I can I can't remember ever really being bored. I can I can highlight times in my life where I've been a little restless, and uh, restless and unguided or undisciplined. But again, that was when I wasn't tapping into spiritual practices or I wasn't meditating, um, which actually reminds me of a something else I was going to bring up um, uh, is about meditation and how good that is for your brain. And sometimes I've got a couple of little two-minute and five-minute meditations that are like my go-to when I've only got two minutes or five minutes. But conversely, I've got some longer meditations up to, you know, eight hours and overnight where I can put it in my headphones and listen all night. 
Sony, what's your experience with the power of meditation and what it does for you and all that you want to achieve, particularly around your writing? Well, meditation for me, um, I mean, it's integral in, 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 in my day-to-day. Mm. I, it's sort of part of my, my routine. Yes. I also, you know, similar to you, when I have mm. more time, I will listen to meditations. I'll sit down uh, yeah. and it will be a longer session. If I'm sort of on the go, I try to incorporate it into yeah. my activities. Meditation could be really as you're brushing your teeth. And yes. so, you know, you, you've got those two minutes as you're brushing your teeth that nothing else is going on. And really, mm-hmm. all you need to do is focus on brushing your teeth. And that in and of itself is a meditative process. Absolutely. Uh, or the shower. That. The showers for me are the best. <laughs> I didn't realize that until like recently that you can actually have a meditative process. Um, around simple everyday things. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the shower, where you free your mind of everything else except I have to wash my hair. I'm going to wash mm-hmm. the front of my hair. I'm going to wash the back of my hair. I'm going to wash behind my ears, etc., etc. That can be a, a meditative practice for you in that moment. It's about clearing your mind, isn't it? And a lot of what I do in terms of meditation and part of kind of what opened me into writing is Mm. I do meditative writing, which essentially means I will write nonstop until I fill a page that when I have more time of whatever comes into your head is ever comes because that's a a good way to say I'm not judging. I'm allowing Mm. things to come and I'm just putting them on a page and then I'm releasing it. And to me, that's a lot of how um that's how your poetry started wasn't it exactly that's how it came about uh and you know it it was this kind of mental uh dump (laughs) yeah (laughs) that just which is good for your brain it is you sleep better you feel better it relaxes you uh sometimes you process things that you don't even Mm. realize that you are going on Or, you know, what we were talking about, emotions, you know, I'm I'm feeling this way and this is what's happening and how can I unpack this? And you end up just doing it as, or at least that's what I do in in, in writing. Mm -hmm. I don't always, um, you know, dictate what that's going to be. I just sort of let it go. And Yeah. yeah, a lot of my writing has come through that process. Sometimes I get clarity on even, I mean, yeah. Poetry-wise, that's how it happened, but I sometimes get even clarity on the novels and things that come yes. up. I'm like, oh, this would be a great thing to write, but it just it the comes up. The character's going to go this or going to do this or going to have this experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. Um, Sony, it, it's actually um, part and parcel of a lot of um, trauma recovery therapy is around writing until you can't write anymore and if you fill up one page that's fine if you write one sentence that's fine if you write multiple pages that's fine as well because it is that process of clearing your mind of all the sentences and all the thoughts that are in there so that you have space to do think and process whatever it needs to be process and I think the, the the good thing about that is especially with with writing which is a form of expression it's a it's a form yeah. of uh, releasing what you're holding inside mm. you can do it without 
any um, sort of fear of judgment or criticism because you it's write it out, Ronnie. you won't show it to anybody. You can burn it if you wanted to. You can, you know, shred that's it into pieces therapeutic- and toss it. That's another therapeutic. And it is. It is. Sequence um, as well as to write until you can't write anymore and then yeah. burn it. And, and you know, I, I always have a notebook. I, I carry one mm. with me. I can't yeah. see that through there, but it's there. Um, I don't keep anything that I write. If I go through, after I finish writing it, if yes. I find something of use in there, for instance, if I've processed something about a novel or if I've written a poem, mm-hmm. I keep that. Everything else yes. I toss. And I oh. find that to me, that's an immediate release. Like I, I've gotten it out and it's that's out. That's awesome. So it's part of my, um, it's part of my meditation, but it's also part of my own personal healing, mm-hmm. my own self-reflection. And it's something that has really helped me uh, in terms of tapping into my intuition, you know, circling back to the the start of this conversation, that really helps because I am able to, in that moment, be present with what I'm feeling Mm. and also not carry the weight of it anymore. And the less that you you carry carry the weight, you're Mm. able to tap into that intuition. So it's actually it it's actually reinforcing a letting go of things. And yes. as humans, we can hang on to a lot of stuff that we just yes. don't need to, like a lot of stuff. Um, and women are very good at hanging on to things that should probably just <laughs> be, let that go, just let that go, let that go, let that go. Yes. And it, it helps them think bigger things like forgiveness. You know, a lot of times oh, yes. you carry that yep. feeling and, and you think that you're carrying it because somehow you're punishing the other person, but really yeah. you're not, you're punishing yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the more you're able to to release that, uh, and, and the thing with forgiveness, for instance, and we're sort of getting off topic, but it's not about, you know, excusing the other person's behavior, but it's about you releasing the, the things that you're your feelings so that you don't carry that weight with you yeah. just you, you release it it is a very powerful process to learn the steps of forgiveness and once you learn them to consciously and act them in any moment in your life when you're feeling um unforgivable feelings around a person situation or an event and i'm going to agree with you Sonny that writing until you can't write anymore particularly around forgiveness and then getting rid of it or burning it is a huge relief and a huge weight off your shoulders because you do it for you you don't do it for anything else other than your own peace of mind and that's how we should all aim to be living a life we love doing what we're meant to do and follow Sony's example she is doing absolutely what she's meant to do in the way that she's meant to do it and I love that I get to talk to Sony um, regularly and particularly on these shows because if ever there's someone that you should model their life to understand the power of things like intuition, forgiveness, spiritual practice, meditation, it's Sony because the work that she has produced is so beautiful, so wonderful, which leads me to, before we run completely out of time, next week we're going to be uh, talking about the first of Sony's poetry books um, and we will have a special offer for everyone listening and watching and we're going to talk in depth about Embolden. Embody. Oh, sorry. 
in body. I said it and I'm like, no, it's not in Boldham, it's in body. <laughs> They're all E's. They're all beautiful E's. They're all E-M's, yes. Except for the novel. The novel's yes. completely, the novel's the start of the D's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we move away. <laughs> And there will be so many more novels, believe me. Sony, it's delightful to chat to you again. I'm going to let you go now because we're completely out of time and you need to have some rest. I know you've got um, quite a wonderful schedule now that you've arrived in Australia and the first part of that is to get some sleep. So please join us next week for another episode of Poetry in Motion with Sony Singh. In the meantime, jump onto her website, sonysing.com you will find links to everything we've spoken about today in the notes um, for the program that you're watching right now and for everyone who's joined us live thank you so much don't forget to follow sony on socials link uh, reach out um, on her website and connect and have a look and buy these beautiful poetry books and shortly we'll be telling you about the novel sony Singh, thank you so much Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you and bye for now. We'll see you all next week.